0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. I'm Mark Sennett, CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. We're delighted that once again, this podcast is sponsored by the Health and Safety Event, which will take place on the 25th to 27th of April, 2023. And if you want to find out more information about the Health and Safety Event, all you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com. So thank you to them for their continued sponsorship of our podcast. So before we get started, I always just... Do a bit of housekeeping just to say you don't have to wait to this podcast to get all the latest information on health and safety in the sector. You can go to our website which is www.hsmsearch.com or if you can't remember that just put in your search engine health and safety matters and up we come. Now I'd urge you to go to the website because you can have a look at all of our upcoming CPD webinars or watch our past ones on demand, all completely for free, and you do get a CPD certificate for doing so. All you need to do is click on the webinars tab, which is on the orange bar at the top of the website. You can also sign up to get our magazine for free, six times a year in digital print format. And of course, you can sign up to our twice a week e-newsletter, which has over 60,000 people now following it. You can follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter as well, just search for Health and Safety Matters and we're there. And if you want to submit any feedback to the podcast, go on to social media and use the hashtag HSM Podcast. Okay, so we always start with the news on here and the first news story I've got for you is from data coming out of the construction sector. So data has highlighted that fatalities in the construction industry are up almost 10% in five years and that half of these fatal instances Raduta falls from height. There are now one point six two deaths per hundred thousand workers, which is four times the figure of all other industries. It's also double the rate for the transportation and storage sector, which has a naught point eight five, and around two point five times the rate in manufacturing. Falls from height, as I said, is still the number one cause of fatal and non-fatal incidents in the construction sector, and accounts for half of all deaths on site. So these findings have been collated by specialist providers of plant hire in London, Hertz Tools, and used construction statistics from the Health and Safety Executive's reports from 2018 to 2021. This analysis demonstrates the impact of accidents in the construction industry and how workers and workplaces are being affected every year. There are 61,000 injuries to construction workers and on average a quarter of those are caused by slips, trips and falls. The economic cost of Great Britain of construction injuries and ill health is still around £16.2 billion in 2018-19 and the majority of these costs, or 59% to be precise, fell upon injured and ill individuals themselves. In 2020, the total cost of construction injuries was up 34% compared to 2018 so just closing off on that, Hertz have given some examples of what you can do to help prevent incidents on construction sites. And that would be provide training and plan all work at height properly. Use the correct equipment and regularly check it prevents falls. Avoid slips and trips by keeping floors clean, dry, well lit and free of obstacles. Clear up spillages quickly. Deep cleaning after work hours is also a good idea. Install safety guards on machinery and provide safety goggles. And finally, they suggest, store heavy objects close to the ground and fit debris nets and outlaw throwing of tools. So, you know, this is quite a startling statistic, to be honest. We talked about topics like this quite a bit in the part. And, you know, if we look at it now, as we said, a 10% increase in five years, uh, the number of fatalities in the construction sector. And of course, the majority is obviously from falls from height. Um, so, you know, they're pretty depressing statistics. But I, but I would mitigate that by saying, as I said in the past, health and state of fatalities in the UK continue to, on average, be on decline. And it's about as low a level as they've ever been, which is extremely positive. Now, obviously. The, the target here is, is zero fatalities in, in any sector. Because as I said before, everyone has a right to come from home from work safe. But, you know, when we get statistics like this, I think the reason I want to share them with you, it isn't to scaremonger or anything like that, but is to simply point out there is always more work that can be done. And what I liked about this particular... Uh, research by hurt stores they didn't just say some really interesting comparison of the HD statistics they actually gave some good advice that i just shared with you to help reduce the number of uh, incidents on sites so you know i would say go onto our website and have a look at that story and we use these statistics as a learning and And the suggestions the Hertz tools have given are very solid in helping you and everybody else on site to reduce any injuries in the construction sector so if you want to have a full read of that story just go to hsmsearch.com and type in construction crisis data highlights concerning statistics or type in construction crisis and it will come up okay so our next story is about a health and safety executive safety alert on earloop masks So, since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, the PPE crisis that uh, we've seen with FFP masks with ear loops, it's been apparent, according to the HSC, for a considerable time that there was significant concern over the ability of FFP masks to provide an adequate seal and protect the wearer. So, use of such products were outlawed in the NHS as far back as September 2020. And following considerable encouragement from the British Agency Federation, the Health and Safety Executive has completed research on the efficiency of earloop masks respirators as tight fitting respiratory protection. So, HSE says it's now in a position to issue a safety alert to inform industry employers, duty holders, and workers that where tight fitting RPE has been identified as a control measure, as laid out under the Control of Substances to Health COSH. Uh, regulations they should be aware that ear loop master respirators including those provided with clips snuggers or other means of tightening to fit the respirator at the back of the head are highly unlikely to provide adequate protection for the vast majority of employees this includes ear loop master respirators that are ce or uk ce marked and applies in all work related situations in great britain this is because a tight seal to the wearer's face is unachievable, according to the HSE, in the majority of cases. Therefore, the Health and Safety Executive recommends that ear loop masks or respirators should not be used in the workplace where tight-fitting respiratory equipment is required. So that's quite an important safety alert. I remember writing up this article in 2020 when uh, there was serious questions over FF. P masks with ear loops, and and now obviously working closely with the BSIF, the HSE has come to this decision to make this safety alert to say don't wear them, um, don't use them, I should say, um, in situations where tight fitting is needed for RPE, because according to the HSE and the research they have done since 2020 they're not fit for purpose in that situation. So I thought that was definitely something worth sharing because we've talked about it quite a bit in different episodes of the podcast and people have often commented in, you know, we're not here to specify uh, PPE as a as a publication, but when we get a to it like this, I thought it was very much worth sharing with you. Okay, so let's move on to our third news story. And as I said before, if you want to get all the latest news you don't have to wait for this podcast you can just go to our website which is hsmsearch.com and we have all the latest news prosecutions products and services in the health and safety market and, and if you can't get there every day to the website well sign up to our newsletter over 60,000 have and it comes out twice a week and we send all the headlines straight to your inbox okay so the next news story I've got for you is uh, from IOSH so this story uh, is all about IOSH and They've said delays to the promised employment bill in the UK poses an imminent threat to the labour market. This warning from IOSH comes after the bill was noticeably absent from the Queen's speech on the 10th of May. The bill is reported to include a default right to flexible working patterns and new safeguards for gig economy and zero hours workers. And delaying it further, could can see workplace and working standards slip for millions of people. Warn IOSH. So Ruth Wilkinson, who is head of health and safety at IOSH, said it's extremely disappointing and of concern that there was no reference to the promised employment bill in the Queen's speech. The bill is potentially significant development in response to the changing nature of the world of work and to our pandemic recovery efforts, as many of the promised expected measures would offer improvement to working lives and working rights of millions of people. The long-awaited development is crucial both for driving up employment practices and for reducing the precariousness of workers in zero-hours contracts, agency workers and those in temporary or low-paid employment. This, together with recent debates of the government appetite to relax health and safety rules to ease the cost of living crisis, now raises an imminent concern and threat to the UK labour market and the protection of our workers and others who can be impacted by the work. So the employment bill, if you don't know, was first promised in 2019, and it was cited as a way of improving workers' rights following Brexit. It stated that measures will be brought forward to encourage flexible working, to induce the entitlement to leave for unpaid workers, sorry, unpaid carers, I should say, and to help people save for a better life. So Iosh finish off that uh, statement by urging the government to consider bringing this bill forward as quickly as possible I mean it's interesting that it was delayed it definitely was expected to come out on the Queen's speech which Prince Charles obviously delivered um, instead of the Queen and it, it just it just wasn't there and it does feel like a long time ago that this was brought forward and we are well three years on and there's no movement I can certainly understand why I should want to see this come forward I have really been out at the front of championing um the health and safety aspect of of workers rights for a long time so it's no surprise to see them jumping on this and it'd be very interesting to see if the government is now really pushing this into touch for a while or whether it's simply at the moment focusing on other aspects it's obviously in the fire safety market there's the building safety bill they're trying to uh well has got rural assent now since uh, the 10th of May so yeah, there's not really much of an update I can give on that. But I certainly see as an employer, and you will see yourselves as health and safety managers, consultants, whatever your role is, you will see that there is more and more hybrid working, etc. And and I find just in recruitment, there's a more general expectation for people to be offered flexible working and hybrid working. It It seems to be almost accepted a standard by many candidates that I'm speaking to at the moment. And I think that is the way that the government is going to go with this. But it does feel like if I talk politically for a moment that the government is taking a different approach on the recovery for the economy post Brexit. It said a lot of things like this in terms of wanting to push this flexible working but it seems for one reason or another that doesn't really fit their message of trying to encourage economic growth right now so you know we, we will watch this with interest and and see where we go so the last news story or kind of announcement I want to cover today is that I'm going to encourage you guys to come and join us and meet us face to face. On the 15th of June 2022, we're doing the first ever Health and Safety Matters Golf and Networking Day at Celtic Manor. Now, we've already got three different CPD sessions announced for this. So the morning starts off with refreshments on arrival, three CPD sessions for 90 minutes. Then we have a networking lunch, and then we all go out onto uh, the golf course at the fantastic Celtic Manor Resort. And, um, well, you can all have a great laugh, to be quite frank, at uh, my horrendous attempts at uh, at golf. And we will um, be playing on the Roman Road course. Yeah, yet we obviously got trophies of the winning team, close to the pin, the longest drive, and it'll be a fantastic day of networking. You know, huge thanks to our sponsors, Safety Chair, Martor, and the Health and Safety event. This event's being organised in conjunction with the British Safety Industry Federation. And the BSIF's Alan Murray will actually be delivering one of the CPD sessions, which will be all to do with uh, market surveillance on PPE. It'll be a really key session on that, and I'm sure he'll also touch on the uh, Bless scheme, the importance of complying with that. We have also got um, a session, a CPD session from uh, safety chair, which will be all about ensuring that you've got a a safe evacuation plan or adequate evacuation plan. And the need ultimately for evacuation chairs obviously will be a key part of that. But it will really challenge you to, to ask the question, is your evacuation plan for a building adequate for Non able bodied people. It, you know, I've heard them talk about this before, and it is a really, really, really interesting session. So, I would definitely urge you to uh, come along to that if you can. We'll also have a session from Martel, which will be about knife injuries being the blind spot of British industry. And I don't know if you know this, but up to 58% of workplace injuries are caused by knives, and by identifying knife hazards early your company can avoid serious accidents. So this session will help identify knife hazards and managing the risk and hidden costs resulting from poor knife control. Really interesting topic. Um, I've, uh, you know, we've got uh, two great presenters for that, Chris Brown and Ian Suggett, and and I think it'll be quite an interactive session. So quite varied those three topics there, from evacuation to PPE to uh, reducing um, hand cut injuries and from, from knife injuries. You know, it, it's a really varied day, and I really urge you to come along. There's limited places remaining. All you need to do is go to www.hsmgolf.com, HSM Golf. So, again, that takes place on the 15th of uh, June, and it is at Celtic Manor Resort in Newport in Wales. Uh, So, another thing that's probably worth um, mentioning to you is if you want to come and see us face-to-face, will actually be at Safety, Health and Wellbeing Live. The first ever event for Safety, Health and Wellbeing Live takes place at Manchester Central on the 23rd to 24th of May 2022. We've got to stand there. Our magazines will be in all the theatres. So we would encourage you to come along and say hi. I'll be there um, along with Christine Fitzgerald from my team will be there. So come pick up a copy of the magazine. Come and say, chat, we'd love to hear your feedback on what we can do better. And you can, all you need to do to, is, you can turn up on the day and register on the door, obviously, but I'd suggest you do it in advance and get your free digital pass. And that is safetyhealthwellbeing.live, safetyhealthwellbeing.live, or just Google safety health and wellbeing, and it's in Manchester Central. That's a Monday and a Tuesday, 23rd and 24th of May. So it would be great to see you come along if you can. All right, so now it's time to focus on our main guest today, and that is none other than Nibosh's Chief Operating Officer, Dee Arp. Now, I really enjoyed this conversation with Dee, I and mean, I've known Dee a while. We've done webinars together, digital conferences. Uh, NEBOSH are a very key partner of Health and Safety Matters, and actually Dee did a brilliant uh, session during Nibosh's first ever digital conference that we helped put on for them and uh, she actually did a meditation session in there. Now she is as driven a person as I've ever seen about mental health and well-being and during this conversation we're about to have that can listen to we really talk about how that has evolved or how managing that or trying to manage that has evolved during the pandemic and we were able to be very personal compared to our own organizations both Nibosh and Health and Safety Matters so there's a really great advice from D in this in terms of what you can do to help protect yourself and your staff, and your wider workforce, and, and, and just gives key tips to managers who themselves might be struggling with their own mental health, especially when working remotely. So I really, really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too, and um, it, it was something that I definitely was able to relate to with our staff. So without further ado, I sat down with Dee earlier on today, and here's what she had to say. Good morning, Dee. How are you? Good morning, Mark. Very well, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. I mean, we we really love our relationship with Nebosh. We do so much with you of podcasts. You're on this time for I think the second time we've had a Nebosh person on. We've also had you on plenty of webinars, and you're a proud sponsor of the Safe Health Excellence Awards. So um, yeah, uh, lots that we cover. But today, we really want to talk about to start off about mental health and well-being during the pandemic. So. Dee, the first question I wanted to ask you is what impact did the pandemic have from a mental health and well-being perspective, in your opinion?
1: Well, I I think the last two years has had a a significant impact on the mental health and well-being of of us all. I think virtually no one and and no organisation in the world has been immune, immune to its impact. I think coming out of it now for some individuals, there's been positive changes. Uh, Others have adapted or or are still adapting, but but sadly others have experienced and are experiencing mental health problems. In some cases, that's a direct consequence of of a COVID-19 infection, but we've been through so so much you know people have been fearful of becoming ill we had all the social isolation connected with the lockdown restrictions there's job financial losses at the other end of the scale particularly with our key workers we've got covid burnout and, and at the same time as all of those challenges have been going on we've sometimes lost the very support mechanisms and and the access to the mental health services that we need so it's not really surprising that we see an increased anxiety stress and and, and burnout and, and there's many statistics and reports out there that talk about this tidal wave of, wave of mental illness so it's all yeah not not great in one way but but you know, I always try and look for the positives, and I think there's a great positive in this situation in that we've got an opportunity to use these circumstances for real positive and impactful change. And I think one thing that I've noticed, and many people have noticed during the pandemic, is there's a lot more open and honest discussion about the reality of mental health. Uh, You know, some people feel more able to acknowledge that they're struggling. I think because we've had this shared challenge literally across the world, you know, people are opening up more about how that's impacted them. We've seen celebrities lead on on social media and on the TV. uh, And that's created this. You know more awareness around mental health, and that that's impacting in the workplace as well. So employees now have a greater awareness of mental health, and and and, and, ex- and rightly expect more from employers. So some real positives have come out of of a challenging situation.
0: So, in your opinion, what was best practice in terms of supporting mental health and wellbeing during the pandemic?
1: Well, we 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 saw some great good practice come out of organisations supporting their employees, but I think. For me, the simple answer is talking and just creating and nurturing a, a safe environment where people know it's okay not to be okay. You know, we hear that we hear that term a lot. So it's about that safe space where people can have open dialogue where they can say I'm not okay and they know the support there for them through through that stage in the life. And I think that that message really helps address the stigma that still is attached to mental health and wellbeing in in some, some places in, in the world and in the workplaces. I think during the pandemic, the fact that many people were working from home really helped. You know, It really meant that people had to look for new ways to, to connect. And I think that connection happened in a more meaningful way. So managers were rightly encouraged to have those check-ins, but also to have a much more authentic check-in. So it wasn't just about ticking a, a, a box to deliver a task or to check on performance. It was to ask those really important questions, you know, how are you? How are you really? And to really drill down into that and follow it up with how can I support you? What do you need? And then equally to make sure that what that person needs or what support they need was actually followed through on. So yeah, I think that open dialogue with respect, with honesty, you know, with managers knowing the limitations as well and when more professional help is needed, it, it's really put that emphasis and the importance on on, on well being. And just really getting the message across that, that leaders, that managers actually care about the people that, that they work with. And I think now, even as we're seeing that return back to offices, you know, for some people, they're still working from home. So it's still working on those all important relationships and still building on that, that safe space where everybody shows up for each other.
0: Well, I want about moving forwards now, because the world has definitely changed since COVID-19 in terms of work practices. And, and and I see this as a business owner myself. And, you know, we've got about 24, 25 staff. And I'd like to ask a question that I think I, I could learn off and I'm keen to know your views. So many organisations, including Nibosh, are adapting a more agile or hybrid approach to work. Do you have any tips for getting the balance right so it works for everyone whether that be an individual or business, you know, I'd be keen to hear your take on it, just from a personal perspective.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so many um, organisations have, have made that permanent change, haven't they? You're absolutely right. Yeah, and Nibosh, we, we left the office during the first lockdown, like many organisations. And, you know, after those initial challenges of such a, a dramatic and quick change, you know, we really quickly realised, you know, that the benefits of, of that home working and now as, restrictions are lifted you know we're retaining that agile uh, approach and you know what i think the balance comes naturally because when you know that penny drops that actually if you invest in people's well-being and empower them with the agile and hybrid approach the performance comes and the balance naturally pans out you know we've seen that people work better at different hours of, of the day and, and giving them that empowerment of when they work and how they work gives them that flexibility to build in all the activities and practices that can boost you know the wellbeing within, within the working week. Uh, another benefit is the daily commute goes. Um, so people can use that time to to do things for themselves that support wellbeing such as exercise, you know uh, time with friends, family or, or, or hobbies. I think the great thing now about coming out of the lockdown restrictions is we've got our workspace open again. So it's there when we need it. So we can still, you know, have meetings together. People who benefit from more interactions with colleagues can go into that workspace, but we're still empowering people to make that that choice. And I think, sort of further answer the question I mean the pandemic has taught us so so much and I think one of the things is that many managers and leaders thought that people couldn't be productive unless there was those ongoing in-person interactions and constant monitoring but but it's not not the case you know I think what we've seen is that if you give the guidelines for the task but without the boundaries of how it's achieved you know people really become more creative and innovative because they've got control, you know they're they're empowered. You know, the employees have got to provide the right right tools for for the job, you know, in the right place at the right time, uh, and support it with the right technology. But but yeah, you know, the performance then then follows.
0: So, you know, I'm seeing this um, in my business, as I said, more people than ever before are working from home, D. Uh, This is a positive move for some, but for others, it's quite challenging uh, and it can be tough. And we've seen this in the workplace. We had people during lockdown one, two and I think three begging to come back to the office because they really struggled with that isolation and separation from... Uh, you know, their colleagues. And uh, although I'm sure loads of staff are happy they did have to see me on a day-to-day basis. But <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, how we dealt with it was, you know, we let them come back in when when we could. We set up Teams group, WhatsApp groups to keep people engaged. But there has been a struggle um, between separation people working at home. What impacts, in your opinion, has this had? And, and how would you suggest we mitigate against it?
1: Yeah, I think this is a great question. There's 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 two challenges there. I think one you've you've hit the nail on the head there. Mark. It's about You know, there were some, and our colleagues were the same. There were some people that really felt isolated. Some actually thrived in their, you know, working from home and and were happy with the interaction on Teams and Zoom and so on. But some, you know, really wanted to get back into the office space. So, you know, the agile working, the hybrid working really allows that to happen. You know, having that choice is, is really empowering. So it's great that we're able to, you know, interact again and get back out there. I think the second challenge for those that are happy working from home is making sure that they do create that distinction between work and home it's really easy not to use your commuting time for things for yourself but to start working earlier because you can it's really easy to extend your working day you know way beyond what it should be just because you're in, in your home your meetings then become at your at your work desk on on Zoom Teams or other media so you know your posture can suffer So, yeah, it's really important not to blur that line between work and home if you are working from home. And you've got to really be disciplined in creating those distinct boundaries. So I think just a couple of tips, you know, one is to make sure you have a distinct physical boundary, that you've got a workspace that's set up just for work and that's separate to the rest of your home activities. And then just being really disciplined in separating out the time for work and the time to do all your other home stuff, you know, whether that's going out for a walk, walking the dog, you know, anything that really makes sure that you're working on that, that work-life balance. And I think that works both ways, whether you're thriving in, an, in the office office space or, or working from home.
0: Well, the next thing I want to talk to you about is how managers can pick up signs that their staff are struggling when they're working remotely. I mean, this is something that can be very difficult, Dee. You know, email is something I hate having to talk to people via email mm-hmm. as a personal hatred. You know, you and I speak an email and when I email you, I'm always worried that I'm being a bit short because I've got so many emails in. You can never truly <laughs> read someone's body language through an email. And and that concerned me in the pandemic. And that's why we tried to do Teams calls. Because I, I You know, as, as a journalist, I like to read people, I like to read the room and, and body language is, is important, but it can be very easy when people are remote to hide signs that, um, that they're struggling. So, How would you suggest that managers pick up on these signs that people could be struggling when they're working from home remotely?
1: Yeah, you're so right. It it, it is a challenge. I think, first of all, it's about understanding, you know, that good mental health is that lovely state of well-being when we're able to perform to our abilities, we can cope with the normal stresses of life. We can work productively and we're able to make a contribution socially and and to the community. So when people are struggling and, and the mental health is negatively affected, you know, one or more of those areas is going to be impacted. And there will be signs, but actually quite rightly so, Mark, it, it's difficult or it can be difficult to spot those. People will try and mask them and hide those signs, even when you're there, you know, physically together. So it's even harder when it's remote. Uh, again, you fit hit the nail on their head. If you are connecting remotely, you need your cameras on, you need audio on so you can pick up on, on that body language. I mean, again, I think, you know, Few of us have formal training in how to spot, you know, sensitivities in mental health. So certainly with managers, leaders, we need to be able to give them those tools and and give them tools that include, you know, really sensitive and informed question set. So you're not just going to wade in on that connection and say, are you feeling stressed? You know, it's about asking some of the more searching questions like, you know, how are you feeling? You know, how how is your workload at at, at the minute? Uh, How how are you connecting with your colleagues are you able to ask for help and, and and accept that help so asking some questions that are not direct and challenging that people are going to feel defensive about but that opens up that that nurturing conversation so yeah you do need your audio and video uh, enabled and then you can pick up other clues as you said Mark, in body language you know what's the person's posture looking like is it dejected is it uh, are there any signs of discomfort how are they responding to your questions? You know, are they not normally as sharp and on point as they expect them to be? Is there any changes in their behaviours emotionally? Are there any uncontrolled outbursts? So anything that is, you know, signs of of change, you know, could give you some clues that there's something going there, going on there. And then it's those questions that can really help you, you know, dig down to that in that sensitive, nurturing way and, and find out what what's really going on so you can respond to it and get that person the
0: support that they need. So people listening to our conversation at the moment, hopefully, have taken some really good feedback from you in terms of how they can manage their staff in, in these in these new challenges, circumstances that we face. But there are a number of people like you, Dee, that actually lead an organisation. Now, we've talked about how to help them and help you to protect your staff. But let's talk about you and people like you for a minute that are in those leadership positions You've also got stresses to deal with, um, including the changing work patterns. Who is supporting you or people like you? Because mental health is just as important for you, I, or someone leading a big team that could be listening to this. You talked about them supporting their team, but what about supporting those people? Who's supporting them? Yeah, it's such an important
1: area. You know, And, and leaders are often at greater risk of mental health issues for those reasons that you say, Mark, because they've got So many people depending on them, they feel like they haven't got the time or freedom to step away. But it's the same advice to the leaders as to to everybody else, you know, and I think by helping managers and leaders spot the warning signs in others, it also helps them spot them in themselves. And we've got some great case studies from leaders that have actually been brave and bold enough to share their struggles with the rest of their colleagues, and that actually empowers the colleagues to open up as well. But yeah, it's the same. It's the same things. I mean, I'm very blessed with a great, a great leader, you know, a great chief executive officer and a great exec team and we support each other. So it's really about showing up for each other as well. But it's that cultural change, I think, Mark, where everybody, you know, has a voice. And it's the same for the leaders as well. You know, by empowering people to speak up, it's that same culture that nobody's immune to, you know, the challenges. We all have mental health. You know, and that is a great starting point. We all have mental health and nobody is immune from the impact of
0: it. Now, that's something that very much resonates with me. You know, I, I own my business here with my two business partners. And we we're actually, and over the next couple of days, spending time, just the three of us together, to talk about culture at our business, talk about yeah. staff, well-being. And we've really relied on each other, like like you said there, Dee. You know, yeah. I... I am a strong personality, which I think most people would say is a polite way of saying bull in a China shop. Um, but, but it's, it's been tough. You know, it, it, it's been tough for everyone. You worry about your staff, you, you you worry about your business. And, and I've got fantastic support from, from Danny and Keith, but I, I it really resonated with me what you just said there about having each other for support. Now there will be some people out there that just have themselves at the top of the tree. And, again confining in colleagues friends is important because mental health does absolutely affect everybody and if you're anything like me when there's a time of crisis you take on more and more responsibility and that isn't necessarily the right thing to do and you can and you can get buried in it and and I do find talking and and I'm lucky you know I can talk to people in the sector too um I can talk to anyone at you know Nibosh IOS, sector people we have got great relationships with and just chat you know I do with our clients and our readers too but yeah I, that really resonated with me what what you said there um but I just want to go on a bit further from that. So, do you have any advice for leaders on how to make the message well-being is important authentic? How do they balance that with the pressure to deliver it?
1: Yeah, great, great question. I mean, I think it's by absolutely understanding and, and believing that that well-being is one of the most important factors that enables people to be productive. You know, and I think once you buy into that and see that it that is true, then the authenticity comes because you're actually speaking from that, that place of truth. And again, another lesson from the pandemic, I think many people have realised how best work happens when people feel safe enough to have the conversations that matter. You know, and everything you've just said, Mark, there is great. And if you can't get the support from your colleagues because you are the only one at the top, then, then you need that support from, from family and, and friends so it's about whether those conversations happen in the workspace or outside of work, it, it's that honest and open dialogue again. And certainly in the workplace, that, that takes work and, and commitment and a willingness on everybody's part to engage in the authentic conversations. So, you know, people only feel that kind of safety if it's an environment of high, high trust so leaders really need to to know and show their people that they are really the most important asset. And it's a bit of a cliche, but it it it's beyond that. It's the absolute absolute truth. You know, you know, in my experience, you know, people are treated with with compassion. You know, with respect. If you're grateful and you say thank you, you know, that, those important words. In return, you know, you generally get loyalty and and, and hard work. And I think the other thing that you create is that realisation for perhaps a minority of people. It's not the workplace for them. It's not the culture that they're going to thrive in. But, yeah, generally showing people you appreciate them will increase job satisfaction. You'll retain staff, you'll maintain staff productivity and and, and morale. And and little tips like, you know, measuring output in... um, automation our, our performance with output not hours you know is is, is a great sort of step change you, know, you mentioned mark about you know senior execs particularly you know feeling like they've got to put more hours in you know there's research out now clearly showing that presenteeism is not great you know people are going to make mistakes over time eventually that's going to lead to burnout so presenteeism the longer hours isn't necessarily productive you know that pressure to deliver isn't going to be achieved by you know stretching people for further and further so I think finally a great starting point for leaders is to get really good at listening you know people are not going to care about what we know as leaders or want them to do unless they know that we care about them so you know but that's that's the message and and leaders have really got to buy into that if you look after your people they'll look after the business
0: yeah I completely agree with that and we talk back to what we were saying about my own self flaws on this of, of of taking too much on. I guess it's ingrained into me to try and lead by example, but but that's not when you take on too much. That's not great leading by example. And I've actually found that out the hard way in terms of stresses <laughs> of the job. And I love what I do for them. I hope that comes across when we do these podcasts and and the magazines. But you learn by experience in in this situation. And and what I would say this pandemic has taught me is. It has taught me about the need to involve staff more, to delegate more, to not take on too much. And I'm very much, dear, I want to pick on what you said there, you know, like a thank you goes a long way. I'm the opposite for me. I don't want someone to thank me from our staff or our clients because I don't want it to be about me. That's my own personality type. But I'm very different when it comes to staff and clients. You know, I spoke to you before we recorded this about how grateful I am that Nibosh continue to support the Safe and Health Assistance Awards. It means the world to us that you do and it adds credibility to what we do. But I bring that back to the workplace. And yeah, it... It is important that staff get recognition because we're all wired differently. I'm very different than other people. and um, But I've learnt actually taking time to thank someone, explain to them so they can really see what the fruits of the labour are actually achieving and th- that they are massively um, something that we really recognise and are grateful for is, is a key thing. But I want to move on to the long-term impacts now. So do you think there are lasting changes to our attitudes and behaviours. I'm thinking more of a reluctance to plan too far ahead or the inability to be spontaneous. Will this have a long-term impact on our mental health, in your opinion, Dee?
1: I think for some people, yes. I think that's certainly been the case within the last two years. I think now restrictions are being lifted. We are seeing people return to what was their normal before the pandemic. I think people are really rethinking what matters to them in life generally and certainly at work so for example employees no longer want to work for organizations that expect them to uh you know to to burn out i think there is that expectancy that level of, of increased expectancy employees you know we we hate about the great resignation, you know, people making these really life-changing decisions to come out of work life, you know, because they've really had massive attitudinal behavioural changes from the from the pandemic. I think again, for people who've been directly impacted by, you know, the COVID-19 because they've been poorly or they've lost loved ones. Yeah, there is going to be some, you know, some mental health, long-term mental health impacts around that. And society, we need to really support that. Yeah, so as, as restrictions have been lifted and many people are returning more to a, a normal way of life, um, and I think other people are also creating a new normal, people are planning things again, often with a greater value and appreciation attached to it. So I think they're the changes that I really hope will, will last.
0: So one final question, and on a more general note, the pandemic highlighted the value and importance of the health and safety profession, and this is something obviously we talked about off air again and of why yeah. we do the Safety and Health Excellence Awards, because I personally feel it's really important, and I know you do, and the Ebosh do as well, to celebrate the great work that people listening to this podcast today do. You keep people and property safe. It's a vital, vital job that you do, which has been maligned by certain parts of the media in the past, but... I know Nibosh are committed to it, we're committed to it, and so are those awards, to really highlighting the positive stuff. And so the question I've got for you is, do you think this positive change in perception at the back of the pandemic will be long-term? And has the attitude to mental health and wellbeing also changed?
1: I think so, and I certainly hope so. I mean, back to where we started, Mark, at the beginning of this conversation, you know, the pandemic was this global crisis that touched every every aspect of, of, of work, you know, across the world. And it connected not just people within the health and safety profession, but across so many professions. You know, never before have we been so connected and got so much to learn from, from each other. And, you know, we've been through so many stages of this, from that, you know, mass exodus from workplaces, you know, dealing with new risks in the workplace, you know, furloughing, uh, people working from home and going back into workspaces, different risk assessments, different policies, different procedures. Yeah, I mean the, the pandemic's fundamentally changed probably every aspect of how how we how we work. So yeah, collectively, so much to learn. I think never before has the world looked to the health and safety profession more, and there is that newfound respect that I absolutely think will continue, and also that embracing of of the of the health aspect. So this new awareness of mental health, like you said, in very challenging circumstances, it has, you know, brought the importance of mental health and wellbeing much more to the fore, and the importance of the safe health and safety people connecting with all the other professions to, to, to make sure that you know, in this post-pandemic world, that we we show up for each other and that everybody gets any support that that, that, that they, re, they require.
0: Well. We're going to wrap up now. And in a second, I'm going to ask you how people can get in touch with you and Nibosh. But this is like a good time to also, if if you're not aware, we actually have an upcoming webinar with Nibosh and the Health and Safety Executive. It is flying in tears of free registrations only a few days after I think we announced it last week uh, at the end of april we've had 500 registrations in about three days and this is on oh, sure. uh, musculoskeletal disorders which i managed to say without any um faux pas there uh, or <laughs> stuttering and it's all about managing the risk of manual handling and display screen equipment for workers on site or working from home now that might not be just about the mental health thats what we talked about today but it feels like a natural follow-on to the discussion in terms of working from home which we've covered a lot mm-hmm. today now that takes place on the 22nd of June 2022 unless you listen to this way in the future and if you are listening to it in the future then you can watch it back on demand for free but it's 10 30 in the morning on the 22nd of June 2022 if you go to our website which is www.hsmsearch.com or just Google Health and Safety Matters, and then click on the webinar tab. It's up there, and you know Nibosh are part of that panel. Um, not that I like being always nice and positive about Matt Palhar, but he's a great guy, and he's head of product development for Nibosh, and he is <laughs> he is the person that's representing Nibosh. On, and that is going to be a fantastic session. So, um, along with Matt Bertles from the HSC and Harjit Tiara from the HSC please do register for free. CPD accredited. So you'll get a CPD certificate. Last time we did one with kneebosch uh, Nibosh like this, we had over two and a half thousand people We registered when we did the Nibosh digital conference, which Dee was part of last year. My word that had over 5,000 register for it. So sure. I would urge you to please uh, register up for that. Go to hsmsearch.com, click on the webinars tab and go down to the MSD webinar. But Dee, to close off here, if people want to find out more about Nibosh or get in touch or get in touch with you, what's the easiest way to do so?
1: Have a look at our website. That's Or uh, oh, I'm very happy for people to email me me directly, uh, lowercase de ea at nibosh.org.uk.
0: Thankfully, Dee has the most easy email address of anyone I deal with to remember. <laughs> to, uh, two sets of three letter names is easy for all of us. So, um, yeah, Nibosh... and
1: any difficult questions, Mark, can go to Matthew.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we, 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 we like we like giving Matthew really difficult questions, uh, and, he, and he thrives on it. So, yeah, I would urge you to go to nibosh.org.uk to find out more about Nibosh. But, but D really enjoyed that. It, it felt something that I could personally relate to. I hope that everyone listening to this can take takeaways f- from as well. You guys have really been out in front of this uh, and I can't thank you enough for that since the pandemic. So thank you for sparing us your time this morning.
1: No, thank you for the opportunity and for all that you,
0: you contribute as well, Mark. It's uh, a wonderful thing that you do. Well, thank you. And um, yeah, we, we look forward to uh, seeing you at the uh, the webinar, everybody. As I said, one last reminder that nebo should be part of that webinar on the 22nd of June 2022, all on uh, MSDs. Well, thanks, Dee. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So yeah, huge thanks to D-Art for spending so much time with us this morning on that. I really, really enjoyed that uh, interview. D's always great company, and I think we've got a really important message out to them. And hopefully, it's something that you guys took some learnings away from. By all means, give us feedback on it. You can use the hashtag HSM Podcast on any social media platform. Where you can reach out to me via LinkedIn or via our website hmsearch.com. And that's how we'll round off today. As I've said many times before, you don't have to wait for this podcast to get all the latest news, prosecutions, products and services in the market. You can go straight to hmsearch.com. And if you can't remember that, even though I've jumped it home to you every edition of the podcast, you can just go into search engine and type health and safety matters. And up we come. And I'd encourage you to look at the webinars tab on the it's the last button on the big orange bar at the top and look at all of our upcoming webinars and also our back archive of free CPD webinars as well. As I said, completely free. You get a CPD certificate for viewing them. So I'd encourage you to do so. You can also sign up to receive our magazine in digital or print format. Or of course you can sign up to get our e newsletter twice a week with all those latest news Prosecution's products and services. So, really, I just want to finish by thanking our sponsor of the podcast, which is, of course, as always, the Health and Safety Event, and that will take place next year. I know it's a long time away, but we just had the Health and Safety Event this April, and it was a phenomenal success, as big as it's ever been. I saw so many there; it was great to catch up with so many of you. And next year's one will be the biggest yet. It takes place on the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, and twenty seventh of April, twenty twenty three, at the NEC in Birmingham, and You can register your interest now if you're interested in going to get all the latest news coming out of that as and when it happens. All you need to do is either Google Health and Safety Event or go to healthandsafetyevent.com. So thank you to the Health and Safety Event for their continued support of this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. But most importantly, I'd like to thank all of you for taking time out of your day today to listen to this. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do share your feedback with me. But for now, uh, it's thank you to you. And we look forward to welcoming you on the next edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast.